The Money Show. Other people's money. 24 minutes, 8 o'clock, and it's lovely to look at other people's money. And it sounds like I'm being very nosy, but not at all. It's just nice to also learn from people, see how they've succeeded or sometimes not succeeded. I suppose it goes both ways. So tonight's guest is Davi Roert. He's the chief economist and a director at the Efficient Group, a financial services company. And you know Davi's name because you would have heard him in the news and eyewitness news if there's a repo rate change, if something is happening with our RAND, etc., etc. Davi's there and he's basically giving us sound advice and sometimes even political advice as well saying government you need to behave yourself if you don't behave yourself this is going to happen well Davi Roth good evening and welcome to the money show thank you so much good evening to you good to have you on all right so let's have a very close look at Davi Roth tell us where you grew up and perhaps your earliest experience of money yeah, well, I grew up in the northern part of the country, uh, mostly kind. My father was, has always been involved in agriculture. I can remember some of my earlier day, very early days. We grew up on a farm. We did not have electricity because electricity didn't get there yet. I grew up uh, on goat milk uh, because uh, where we stayed, it was quite wet in the mountains of Mapuwasluf. Yeah. And, and and cattle didn't last there much. Very, it's, they always slipped and fell and got into some sort of trouble. So we grew up in milk, goat milk. Wow. So those are some of my earlier memories. Went to Zanin mostly, Zanin Primary School, Indonesia High School as well. Yeah. And then went off to the army. I didn't do very well at school. And uh, my father reckoned that uh, somebody doing as bad as I did is not supposed to go to university yet. So he sent me <laughs> off to army. Oh, wow. And that is where I <laughs> decided I'm going to show him. And I registered at UNISA then. And I did my first year BCom while I was doing my second year and the then military training that uh, we had to go to. Sure. So I passed my first year BCom. And then I went as a second year student to, to Turkey's. And I can tell you there's nobody as arrogant and and nobody that knows so much about economics as a second year student. <laughs> and I knew everything about economics. And I only gradually over time realized that I know very little about economics. But I did not have economics as a subject. I only yeah. had it in my first year. And somehow, I think economics found me. I didn't find economics. Yeah. It found me. And the reason why I really love the subject is not about money. And it's not about interest rates and stuff like that. It's simply because economics is about people. You mentioned politics. Yeah. You mentioned economics. And those two things are pretty much the same thing. Because economics used to be called political economy. And if you want to understand, especially in South Africa, you know, if you want to understand uh, the economy, you have to understand politics as well uh, and the mess in which we are in. And you have to, and and economics give you the opportunity to understand people a little bit better. So Mm. economics is not about money. Economics is primarily about people. It's interesting that you say that because if you have a look at what you said, you you started out at school, you said it really didn't really work out so well, and your dad said, not going to really happen. But were you interested at that stage, or was it as you grew up and as you opened your eyes yeah. and you thought, you looked around, you thought, hold on a second now, everything's not right in our country, and this is what, the way it should be. Was it that you just grew into it? Um, I... I think when I started studying economics, it opened a door to something I never realized was there. And it opened a door for me to 
to get insight into why people do certain things. And I only realized later on that my real interest is not in economics as such, but it is in the tools that economics provide to an economist to understand people. So my real interest is really about people. And as I, over time, gradually I realized I know very little about people. And as I studied economics a little bit more, and there are so many examples that I can give you. I mean, <laughs> there are so many examples yeah. that I can give you where, where economics actually explain why people do certain things. Uh, then uh, I started realizing why people do certain stuff. I was always intrigued by people. For example, a very good example is North Korea, for example. Why mm-hmm. do people keep on supporting this guy in North Korea, Kim Jong-un? Why? Why yeah. on earth do they do that? When you look at South Korea, for example, and they are much, much better off. Why is that? That's a question. Mm. That I don't understand. Why is it that people keep on using um, substances like illegal drugs, for example, and destroy your own health, for example? There must be an economic answer behind that. Why? Why is it that you f- sometimes find some weird kind of equilibrium somewhere in the economy that is obviously wrong? Why is that? What is this guy? Eamon, there's a guy called uh, Minsky, an economist, in, uh, uh, an American economist, yeah. and he tried to explain why financial markets collapse. And it is about economics. Uh, it, it is about people's behavior. Why is it that the Reserve Bank increased interest rates by 50 basis points last week? And why is it everybody angry about that? Was it wrong or right? So try to understand that. That's yeah. the reason I got interested in economics. That's interesting because we are like that from time to time. I got, I, 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 I must admit with you, Davi, I got very angry last week when it went up 50 basis points. I thought to myself, but we're all battling. Why are you doing this to us? But that's why we need a Davi Ruhr to tell us because <laughs> yes, it's not all about emotion. It's about logic, isn't it? Yeah, but I guess there's a bit of, there is a little bit of, uh, the Reserve Bank is also playing a little bit of a game here. We all, I, including myself, by the way, I expected the Reserve Bank is going to increase by 25 basis points. Yeah. They decided for a 50 basis points. And listening to the reasoning, I can accept that. I can accept the 50 basis points, but I was wrong. And economists, you won't believe this, but economists are human after all, and uh, they don't like to be wrong. Uh, and quite often you find <laughs> economists listening, the Reserve Bank must be wrong. I'm not, I'm not wrong. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, but listening to the Reserve Bank, I think the Reserve Bank make the right decision. But I think in the end, we are probably going to thank the Reserve Bank because by increasing interest rates by 50 basis points, they send a very, very strong signal that you're not going to mess with the guys in the big, uh, the tall black building. Mm. They are, re- they really do mean business. And maybe that bit of a shock was what we really needed. So that's one reason why they did that. The psychological impact of increasing interest rates a little bit more than what everybody expected. Mm. Something else is, is that we have relatively high interest rates in South Africa in real terms, as an example. And don't blame the Reserve Bank for that because we have high interest rates in South Africa to counter the other uh, macroeconomic policies that are obviously wrong in South Africa. A good example is fiscal policy. Fiscal policy is very expansionary. It's unsustainable. You cannot keep on giving the civil servants more than inflation increases in salary. Yeah. And for that reason, you need somebody that catches the ball in the end. And it's the Reserve Bank to call the ball by, by increasing interest rates. So it's a counterweight. 
in the way in the way so don't get angry try to understand it a little bit I and mean, in the end i think the reserve bank made the right decision yeah yeah a lot of economists are saying that they're saying that they actually had no choice and if you having a look at who they are mirroring it's not something that they're sucking out of their thumbs they're going with what's happening in the uk with the U, with the federal reserve in the us as well and they're saying we're taking care of you would you rather have higher prices or perhaps we increase your bond rate you decide actually no we decide so i think davi you are correct in that but do you get frustrated though with national policy we have and you spoke about oh, it yes. kim jong un now we have our very own government has just been off to moscow i you know i get so frustrated and let me tell you something that really frustrates me the most important the biggest expense item for the minister of finance is education and if you compare South Africa's education expenditure with other countries in the world, absolutely, and in relative terms, we spend more on education than most other countries in the world. If you compare the, the outcome, the quality of our education, it's not only bad, it's quite often the worst in the world. Sometimes we are stone lost. And it, I get so, so angry when you take away the future of our youth. We, we spend a lot of money, don't make a mistake, but the quality, and, and I think there are many reasons for that. Uh, one is says that I think I'll, I'll, not all of them. Let me just make this very clear. But yeah. we don't have good teachers in South Africa. That's one. Another reason is the trade unions are just too strong. That's another one. Another reason is simple politics because uh, uh, the a trade union belonged to Kusatu and Kusatu is a tri- part of the tripartite alliance. That's another reason for it. Yeah. Um, another reason has to do, I guess, with, with people, we, we don't have a value system in South Africa that really value education. I also believe we put far too much emphasis on, on qualifications and far too little emphasis on skills. That's what education should be. It should be about skills development, mm. primarily and not about qualification. So th- there are some examples. I'm not even talking about the incompetence of this government and the corruption that quite often goes with that and everything. I get so, so frustrated when I look at the country with all this amazing, amazing potential. I get it's a cliche. We're talking yeah. about South Africa's, uh, South Africa and all the potential we have. We never reach this potential. And I would argue that the main reason for that has to do with a government that is, oh, I don't have words for that. I get uh, <laughs> we've got a, we've got a bad government. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You are passionate. All right, we're a little bit off track here. Other people's money. (laughs) If we are facing the problems that we are facing, and we are, let's not deny it, where does Darby Ruud put his money? I mean, a lot of people would say, gee, let's get it out of the the country, etc., etc. But I like being South African. I like investing in South Africa as well. Well, yeah, there are different ways of looking at it. If I may just say something about money, because I think money is just absolutely amazing. But, but let me give, let me try to answer your, your question first. And then if I may just put a bit of a spin on money that I, that I really find valuable. Okay. uh, I advise my clients to take money out of South Africa for a number of reasons. A very important reason. There are simply more opportunities outside of South Africa. I mean, in South Africa, how many, Stocks can you buy in the JSC? You, there are 40, maybe not even, yeah. that you can invest on in the JSC. And anyway, so that most of the, so that the companies listed on the JSE are basically international companies. But I advise people to take at least, well, to be overweight offshore in South Africa, more opportunities. The second reason has to do with the economic performance in South Africa, which is we're not going to grow this economy. I think we're in a recession. Uh, and then, of course, other reasons, like, for example, very, very high levels of tax, incompetence and corruption and everything that goes with that. So, it's, But we've got amazing brandy in South Africa and very nice steaks in South Africa, the most amazing weather in the world. And I want to stay here. Yeah. I want to live here. 
Uh, it's a dangerous place. Make sure that you are safe physically. So that's uh, uh, rule number one. Make sure you are safe. Stay here. Keep some of your money here. Do uh, And there are many business opportunities. The government is collapsing in South Africa. The state is collapsing, creating all sort of opportunities for the private sector to basically do what government supposed to be doing. Mm. Uh, electricity is the most recent example. Yeah. But if I may give you a slightly different spin on money, I think money is perhaps one of the most amazing economic discoveries of all times. One of them, not the, the most amazing, but one of the most amazing uh, economic discoveries of all time. Because mm-hmm. money uh, allows us to create free lunches, easier trade, remember, between two individuals. Free trade is nothing but the creation of a free lunch because sure. both the buyer and the seller, they both gain. And money makes it easier for people to trade to create more free lunches. And that's why it's so important that you must have money that you can trust. You must have sound money. You must have low inflation. Yeah. And that's the job of the central bank. That's the job of the reserve bank. So I'm absolutely yeah. passionate about money. I think money is going through, is changing quite dramatically. I think money is going to look completely different in future. I think money system is going to be look completely different. I think payment systems, in fact, it's changing. Uh, I mean, two weeks ago, the Reserve Bank is, uh, 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 announced this new app that you can use to pay. Yep. Um, b- b- banks are going to disappear, at least banks as we understand, and no banks. But there's a lot of danger as well, like, for example, central bank digital currencies, which is already a reality, uh, private sector digital currencies, which is already a reality. All those sort of things are going to change the world of money and it's going to change it quite dramatically. But money, where it comes from, yeah. and how much money contributed to this amazing thing that we call the economy, cannot be overestimated. I mean, so, money played a huge, huge role in the economy. So, Darby, is is Darby Root investing or buying Bitcoin? Or is that just not, is that fake money? Is that funny Bitcoin. money? Now, well, if you say Bitcoin is fake money, then you must say the rand is also fake money because the rand is also created out of nothing. We don't have a gold standard anymore. Um, uh, the, the only reason why we there's value in the rand is because we trust it and because we are forced to pay taxes in rands, creating an artificial demand for rands. The same goes for the dollar and all of that. Yeah. So, so why should Bitcoin be different, really? Because it's also created out of nothing. But the real value of Bitcoin, uh, and I've got some Bitcoin, let me be honest. But the reason okay. why I have Bitcoin, and let me just say this, I do not think Bitcoin is an investment. It is not an investment. Okay. But I advise people yeah. to go and buy a little bit of Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever you want to and get used to it because the real value in these, are the, in these kind of things is the underlying technology. That is what, what's valuable. Use it. Send it around. Get used to the technology and play around with that because that is the valuable part. But that the blockchain technology is going to change the world. But perhaps for now, until you understand it a bit better, don't invest everything. Invest something so if you lose it, it's a learning curve, that's all. No, 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 certainly. No, no, let me repeat it. It is not an investment. I don't, it is not an investment. I certainly won't take my client's money, put it into Bitcoin. I will not do that. But I think. The idea of Bitcoin, there's a, there's an idea there that I think is worth exploring. The technology, without a doubt, is something that is already changing the world. So mm-hmm. without a doubt, that is, so get used to this. And the central bank digital currencies is a reality as well. Central bank digital currencies are going to happen and we have to understand what it is and the dangers 
that goes with central bank digital currencies as well. Yeah. Darby, from what you are saying, I mean, wouldn't you rather be trading in Singapore, trading somewhere else where it's, you did speak about brandy, you did speak about the sunshine and the beer that we have here, and I agree with you, it's all very nice, but wouldn't you be rather somewhere else, a little bit safer, a little bit, I don't know, where you could get into no. hardcore trading? No, 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 no. That's the wrong question. People ask me, say, listen, but the place is falling apart. We're in a failed state and South Africa is going to you know, become like what, Somalia or wherever. Uh, that is the wrong question to, to ask whether you should emigrate. And again, stand back a little bit and see where we come from as, as humans and where we come from and where the economy, where it started 100,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 10 years ago. And see how economies evolved and what is where, where economic growth is taking place. And today, uh, economic growth is taking place in what economists call the tertiary sector, the, the advanced part of the economy. And in fact, more companies are finding themselves part of the advanced part of the economy. The, let's call it the digitizable part of the economy or the service part of the economy. Yeah. Even primary companies like agriculture and mining, they do things like, 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 they fly with drones or they do genetic engineering. Uh, they do precision farming. All those kind of things are part of the, what we call the tertiary economy. And all that you need to, need to do to be part of the tertiary economy. Yes, South Africa's got a special challenge. It's dangerous here. So make sure that you remain safe. But if you're safe, all you need is a good internet connection, a good computer, and most of all, you need good skills. Yeah. And then it doesn't matter where you are. You can be anywhere in the world and you can be part of this most amazing advanced part of the economy in the world. Yeah. Next year, 2024, we are going to go to the polls. It's a national election. We've had the DA this last weekend saying they want to have a unified front with all different opposition parties. We've had the EFF saying mm, we all want to be maybe teaming up with someone like the ANC. Where do you see 2024 going after this national election? I am very concerned. I am very concerned because of a number of reasons. Well, first of all, let's just understand the context where all of this is happening. It is happening when South Africa's got, we know the unemployment levels, we know the poverty levels, we know food prices are going up. That is, that is a trigger for all sorts of bad things. We know what happened two years ago in South Africa. We know there's an election around the corner. We know the ANC is losing. A good thing for us, by the way. So we, you can actually, you can taste the social tension in South Africa. It's a, so you can feel the pressure is building up in South Africa. And I'm very concerned about a small spark that can set this whole thing ablaze. So when Malema started this, this stay away thing, what's it, a week or whatever ago, that, those are dangerous things to do because, you know, it can get out of hand and it can lead to all sorts of bad things in the streets. Yeah. Now what we have, we've got an election around the corner. It seems as if the ANC is going to get less than 50%. I don't think they're going to take that lying down. I don't know what is going to happen. The ANC has done a lot of bad things in South Africa. They can do even worse things, believe me. But whatever is going to happen, what is very clear is South Africa is in a, a political trans transition phase. And change, political change, is always disruptive. So, and all of this is happening in this environment that I've just sketched, the uh, way we are in South Africa. So I am very concerned about where we are. I don't think this is a revolution, by the way, yeah. but uh, I have reasons why I say so, but we are really balanced on, on the knife edge here. I, I'm concerned about all sorts of things. Uh, but of course, don't be scared of, of, of democracy. 
Let's do what we're supposed to be doing. We've got a huge responsibility. We, the people of South Africa, and make sure that you, when you draw that little cross, you do it at the right place. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I do believe that we're in a trans political transition phase. And, and even if the, I think that this is the beginning of the end of the ANC and it is going to be disruptive. Let's just hope it's not going to be too disruptive. Well, a wise man once said, if you want to make an omelette, you've got to break some eggs. So perhaps it is time <laughs> for that, and it's time for South Africa's democracy to shine. Yes, and I think this is the opportunity. And, I, and I've got some trust. You know, I've got, tr I've, I've got trust in South Africans. Uh, <laughs> uh, Winston Churchill once said about uh, the Americans is that you can always expect the Americans to do the right thing after they've exhausted all the alternatives. So we have, so we've exhausted some of the alternatives now and let's do the right thing. Uh, and uh, as an economist uh, and yeah. as a, a commentator, I'm always very careful not to get too involved in, uh, in politics. I try to analyze politics and I will tell you what I think is going to happen, but try to be careful not to tell people who to vote for. And I certainly will not tell people who to vote for. But I can tell you that the South mm. the, the, the ANC government has done immense damage to the South African economy at just about all levels. Yeah. So I can tell you who not to vote for. It's going to be a very, very interesting 2024. Darby Roots, Chief Economist and a director at the Efficient Group. Thank you so much for coming on and we'll, we'll continue to chat to you in Eyewitness News and elsewhere just to get your opinion because it's really good to have people who are, and I can hear it in your voice, you're passionate about this country. I am indeed, indeed. I think that South Africa is the most amazing place. Let's 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 make it what it's supposed to be, and that is an amazing place. Thank you, thank you, Davi Rutt, and thank you for coming on to the Money Show.